0: Live from historic downtown Carlisle, Pennsylvania, home of founding father James Wilson, 19th century hymn writer George Duffield, 19th century gospel minister George Norcross, and sports legend Jim Thorpe, it's Iron Sharpens Iron. This is a radio platform in which pastors, Christian scholars, and theologians address the burning issues facing the church and the world today. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 tells us iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Matthew Henry said that in this passage, we are cautioned to take heed with whom we converse and directed to have in view in conversation to make one another wiser and better. It is our hope that this goal will be accomplished over the next two hours, and we hope to hear from you, the listener, with your own questions. And now here's your host... Chris Arnzen.
1: Good afternoon, Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, Lake City, Florida, and the rest of humanity living mm-hmm. on the planet Earth who are listening via live streaming at IronsharpensIronRadio.com. This is Chris Arnzen, your host of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, wishing you all a happy Wednesday. On this seventh day of February 2024, uh, we're taking a break today uh, from our normal theological conversations here in Iron Sharp and Zion uh, to discuss something that is extremely important nonetheless. Uh, we are going to be discussing keeping your church safe, security essentials for houses of worship. And uh, to discuss that very important issue, we have a very appropriate guest today who has written a book with that very same title. In fact, the book is now in its second edition. His name is Ron Aguiar, and he is a church safety expert with over 30 years of experience in private security, law enforcement, and church security. And it's my honor and privilege to welcome you for the very first time ever to Iron Trump and Zion Radio, Ron Aguiar.
2: Thanks, Chris. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Oh, it is uh, my pleasure. And uh, first of all, before I go into uh, the content of our interview, I want to uh, read uh, at least one of these uh, glowing Uh, Accolades that have been written about the book Uh, Given the uncertain times in which we live And increasing threats to our churches Ron has written a practical, thorough, easy to read book That should be a textbook for any church More importantly, he loves the Lord and his church And has dedicated his life to making sure Christ is exalted In the best and safest way possible And that uh, was written by Bob Russell who is the retired senior minister of Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. And in fact, I believe mm-hmm. you were uh, head of security at that congregation for quite a number of years, weren't you?
2: Yeah, for 19 years, actually. Bob was the uh, <clears throat> one of the founding ministers, and I spent 19 years working for him in the church. Uh, he retired, and then Dave Stone took over. And um, I retired shortly thereafter. And then Kyle Eidelman is now the senior minister of that large community in Louisville, Kentucky.
1: And that's one of the largest congregations, I believe, in the United States?
2: Yeah, it's growing, of course. I think they have 14 or 15 campuses now. The main campus, the main worship center, holds 9,000. When we moved in it in 1998, the year I was hired, I was hired a month before the move into the large facility. And um, it was, at the time, one of the largest construction projects for churches in America. And uh, it sits on about 100 acres. There's almost 5,000 parking spaces. It's just a large complex. And they started to <clears throat> build satellite churches while I was there. So when I left, I think we had four satellite churches, including the main campus. And now, like I said, they got 14 or 15
1: Yeah, and the main reason I bring that up is because that gives you an idea of the responsibilities of somebody who is uh, the head of security at such uh, a large uh, facility with so many lives at stake. And uh, (laughs) Can you tell us something about Oasis Safety, who were so impressed by your book that they actually requested to publish it?
2: Yeah, um, actually, what happened was I had written uh, the first edition on my own, self-published a book, just simply called it Keeping Your Church Safe, and uh, I'm a member of the United States Concealed Carry Association, USCCA out of Wisconsin. They reached out to me a few years ago, about almost five years ago now, and asked if we could uh, get together in Wisconsin and do some training videos on active shooter prevention, response, etc., for churches and houses of worship. So I said, sure. So um, I spent three days up in Wisconsin with them, and we did some videos for what they call Proving Ground. And uh, the neat thing about it was they were going to put all that those videos on their members-only website, but they have graciously allowed it to be on YouTube. So – Anyone can go on YouTube and put up UC, USCCA church security, and three or four videos will pop up, and I'm included in that. And we we did some really great videos in um, Wisconsin. The videos, I think, are some of the best out there for uh, church security on active shooters. So while I was up there, uh, we talked about the book and stuff, and lo and behold, they said, hey, we publish books too. Can we take a look at yours? And I was about ready to do something with the book because self-publishing is, uh, you may know, Chris, is not an easy task. And uh, there's a lot going into it. So I sat down with them and they agreed to publish the book. So USCCA published the book and did a fantastic job with the book. Uh, Some of the photos in the book are from the actual uh, video shoot that we did in Wisconsin. So partnering with them has been a blessing. And uh, the book apparently is selling well, and churches all over the country have ordered it. And uh, so my my company is Oasis Safety. So we partnered with USCCA, and the book, of course, is out there now. And it's only available through their website, uscca.com. They've decided to do that. Eventually, it'll be on Amazon and all the other outlets. But currently, it's just on their member website. But anybody can go on their website and order the book.
1: And that is USCCA.com? Perfect. And your website is OasisSafety.com? Yes, sir. Yes. So <laughs> I, I kind of reverse things. Uh, no, that's okay. Uh, but, uh, well, we will be repeating, God willing, those websites later on in the program. Well, we have a, we have a tradition here at Iron Sharp and Zion Radio, whenever we have a first-time guest, we have that guest give a summary of their salvation testimony that would include any kind of religious atmosphere in which the guest was raised and what kind mm-hmm. of providential circumstances our sovereign Lord raised up in their lives that drew okay. drew them to himself and saved them. And I'd love to hear a summary of your story.
2: Okay, it's uh, kind of an interesting story. I was born and raised in Hawaii. My parents were born and raised there, too, so we're considered what people call locals. Uh, my grandparents, my grandfathers immigrated from Portugal in the 1800s. So that's, that's where we're at. Most of my family is still there. And uh, while growing up, my mom attended the Catholic church and it's an interesting story about Christianity in Hawaii. And I'll be brief about this, but basically in the 1800s, uh, missionaries from three large organizations went to Hawaii and in, Uh, he evangelized the Hawaiians and brought Christianity to the islands, which was really a fantastic thing. And uh, over the years from about 1900 to 1930 or so, um, it kind of walked away. It disappeared. And there, there wasn't much uh, growth and uh, in Christianity in the islands, but I grew up in a town called Hilo on the big Island and I actually Hilo, I actually have at
1: least one listener in Hawaii from Hilo who has contacted me. I believe it was a pastor. Oh, no kidding.
2: Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, what a small world. Um, anyway, so in Hilo, there was one Christian church, a church called Highly Christian Church, and it's still there. And across the street from it was a Roman Catholic church, which I attended. And uh, my mom used to take me to early morning mass on Sundays and kind of bribe me with uh, donuts at the local donut shop. But um, anyways, uh, it was interesting because my dad didn't go to church. I've got a younger brother who really didn't go to church. and But I did. And I got involved in the church insofar as going to their uh, catechisms and classes. And there was a brother attached to the church who worked for the priest. And Chris, I believe, looking back on it, I believe he was a believer. I believe that, you know, he believed in Jesus Christ um, and may have been a Christian because he met with us boys and taught us the Bible, which is really unusual in the Catholic Church. Oh, yeah. Looking back, looking back, especially um, when you're looking back in the 50s, so um, yeah, that was really unusual back then,
1: <laughs> oh, because they, because no. they, didn't, they didn't even encourage personal private Bible reading until no. Vatican II, which was yeah. after the, the
2: 1950s. It, it, it was incredible, but I think the Lord used that to kind of watch over and protect me. It's very interesting, because I look back on it, and I can't tell you how many times that my Catholic feet helped me. In um, in my life, um, I became a police officer in Honolulu, Hawaii and um, and then transferred to the big island where I'm from and left the department after 10 years. But in those 10 years, Chris, I tell you, God watched over me and I wasn't I wasn't a believer, but he watched over me. And I can I can tell you, you know, the number of fingers on my hand, the amount of uh, problems I had on the street with people. And I, I think he watched over and protected me. That's all, that's all I got to say. And so anyways, fast forwarding, um, I married my wife. She's from Boston. So I left the department, moved up to Boston. Her parents had um, had no kind of faith either. They they sort of went to church and her mom had never set foot in the church. And uh, Nan and I, my wife Nancy and I lived up there and then we moved around and finally settled in Atlanta, Georgia. While we were in Atlanta, her mother was introduced to a gentleman named named Nate Hubley, and Nate has since gone on to be with the Lord. And he was with a church in Lexington, uh, Lexington, Massachusetts. And um, the first time she heard the gospel, Chris, she accepted the Lord. She's never been in church in her whole life. She was wow. fifty-five years. Old. So she just like went home immediately, grabbed her husband, my father-in-law, Gordon, and said, "Gordon, we're going to church. You got to meet this guy. You got to meet." You know, she just became on fire with the Lord. And so um, her husband, Gordon, was much more, he was an engineer by trade, a methodical guy. And he says, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'll talk to him. And I think Gordon had a faith of some sort, like like what I did with the Catholic faith, but nothing um, directly with Jesus. And he met with Nate, and they met over a number of periods of time. And eventually he accepted the Lord. And the first thing he did, of course, is call his kids. He's got three grown children at the time, and one was my wife, Nancy. And they all listened to him, and they went, yeah, right, yeah, right. And um, so a few years later, while we're living in Atlanta, my wife starts reading the Bible, and she met Jesus in a storm in Atlanta, Georgia. So um, I can't tell you how much um, the Lord has meant to her and in her life over the years. She's an excellent Bible teacher. She's a speaker and all that, but she just loves the Lord entirely with her heart and so she took me to church of course now we started going to church so we found a church in Atlanta in the suburbs and um, over a course of about a year or so I was starting to meet with the minister and uh, in 1983 I just I just said okay I'm, I'm ready so I accepted the Lord in 83 in Atlanta so that's kind of a roundabout story so that's where we're at.
1: Great. And by the way, I looked up the uh, listener that I have, and I may have more. I hope I have more than one in Hilo, Hawaii. But it is Daniel Castales, uh and he is the pastor of Berean Bible Church of Hilo, Hawaii.
2: Wow. Wonderful. Fantastic. On Lama me, Street. <laughs> yeah. Let me give you a quick circle to close the loop about Christianity in Hawaii before I get off that subject. And that is that, that um, I think my daughter who is now 40 some years old and she is um, when she was about four or five, we used to visit Hawaii quite a bit. And every time we'd go to Hilo, um, you know, there's no Christian church to go to because we had already given our lives to Christ. And so I didn't feel comfortable going to a Catholic church. We arrived in Hilo, one visit with our young daughter and my, my mom says, Hey, there's one of your churches here. I say, what do you mean? She goes, there's this church that you keep talking about. You're Christian. There's this church. They're meeting at the boys club. So we went that Sunday morning and, um, pastor Wayne Cordero was a young guy going from Hawaii. that went to college in the West coast and gave his life to Christ and decided to come to Hawaii. And Chris, the Lord, used him as a spark. He planted 80 churches in Hawaii, and Christianity has since exploded in the islands. So it, to tie the loop up, the Lord has come back to the islands, and people like Daniel and all those ministers now, um, I think can look back, and, and Pastor Wayne, who's since retired, um, just look back with the, what the Lord did in him and brought back Jesus to the islands. Amen.
3: Amen.
1: Well, uh, we are talking about a a subject that probably I'm guessing the majority of pastors and elder boards and deacon boards are grossly ignorant about. Uh, I'm assuming I'm correct on that. Uh, And that is keeping your church safe. And uh, what do you think to start the ball rolling here? uh, The average church is getting totally wrong when they are uh, supposed to be the leaders of that church, not only protecting the flock spiritually and theologically and doctrinally, uh, and they're supposed to be keeping uh, wolves and sheep's clothing away from the flock, but uh, they're also uh, would be negligent, grossly negligent, if they— disregard the importance of physical safety amongst God's gathered people. So what do you think uh, is the most common, uh, either uh, egregiously bad attitude or just errors in that area?
2: I think right now it's complacency. And the reason I say that is we haven't, thank the Lord, we haven't had a major catastrophe in a church such as Southern Texas and in other areas, but um, when that stuff happens, um, the churches all all of a sudden become aware of what's going on, and then they start putting things in place. It's like 9/11 happened, and, and we just became such a united nation <clears throat> to um, to fight off everything we could with terrorism, and complacency is set back in. And I think the churches are the same. I, I don't I don't think. <clears throat> We uh, I believe we really need to get out of that and say we have to do something. One of the things that happened with me at Southeast Christian was there was no one before me, so I had to put everything in place. And when I did in 1998, there were probably four or five of us in the country that I could that I knew of, that I could call and talk about security. Now, of course, there's a lot more, and there's companies doing it and consulting. But I think the churches really need to understand that every weekend every time they bring people in a congregation of visitors and uh, members that they really need to be prepared you cannot let your guard down so you cannot be complacent at any time no matter what part of your church uh, you're protecting whether it's the main congregation for worship or the children's or the youth or whatever i think you got to really sit back right now and say okay what are we doing or what have we done and i've been in many churches chris where years ago something happens, say the Colorado spring shooting, um, all of a sudden everybody ramps up and builds these great security teams. I show up two or three years later and there's nothing because they, they just said, well, nothing's going to happen. You know, it's not going to happen to us. And I don't think you can do that. One of the things we did every weekend, although we're a large co- congregation, I would, people would come up to me and say, okay, we're getting ready for Christmas and Easter. What are you doing about security? How do you ramp up? And I tell them right off the bat, I said, I ramp up every weekend. My concern is every weekend, whether you're a church of 100 or a church of 10,000, you should be up every weekend, whatever you're going to do for Easter or Christmas. That's your best step foot forward. That's what you do when the preacher preaches on the pulpit every Sunday or Saturday night or Sunday. He doesn't put his second best. He puts his first best. And that's the way with security. If you consider safety and security a ministry, then all of a sudden it opens up a different avenue of thought. If you say, we're just a security team. Hold on here a second. You're a ministry. You're ministering to your congregation and visitors. And you need to understand that the Lord has tapped you on the shoulder to provide a safe and secure environment for people to hear the word and to respond to the word. And your job is to create No um, negative aspects, no distractions. Your job is to provide that safe environment so that people can find the Lord and worship him. So I I go back to this complacency. Get out of being complacent and take action now. If you have a team, evaluate it, see what needs to be done to get it better. If you don't have a team, put something in place now.
1: And of course, uh, your book is going to be an extremely helpful guide when it comes to the very uh, nuts and bolts of putting together a team and so on. And we're going to be getting into that when we come back from our first commercial break. Uh, And, you know, the book also deals with uh, the emergency situations that involve people's health and, you Mm -hmm. know, people who have heart attacks and things like that. But today I really just want to focus on – uh, protecting the church against an attacker or attackers, plural. Uh, okay. And perhaps in the future, we can have you back to talk about those other issues. Uh, but th- this is going to be the area, I think, where there's probably the greatest level of ignorance uh, right. uh, amongst congregations. And so uh, we're going to our first commercial break. And by the way, folks, I think it's kind of interesting, providential, that the first ad you're going to be hearing— uh is from a uh, company that loves this show so much that they spend uh, a lot of money with us to help keep us on the air and they are manufacturers of body armor and uh, I personally think that it would be a wise thing to have uh, your security team uh, equipped with body armor uh, because you never know who's going to be uh, attacking those uh, in your uh, flock but... Uh, yeah. The uh, first uh, commercial everybody will be hearing is from Armored Republic, who just renewed not long ago their annual advertising contract with us. And we thank David Reese, the CEO of Armored Republic, for his generosity and his belief in what we're doing. But uh, if you have any questions uh, for uh, my guest today, Ron Aguiar, and the subject, Keeping Your Church Safe, Security Essentials for Houses of Worship... Our email address is chrisarnzen at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. Give us your first name at least, your city and state, and your country of residence. Don't go away. We're going to be right back after these messages. Armored Republic
4: exists to equip free men with tools of liberty to defend God-given rights against the twin threats of tyranny and chaos. If you own a rifle to resist tyrants and criminals, then you should own body armor and a med kit for the same reasons. A rifle stops evil, body armor and a med kit keep you in the fight and preserve your life. Armored Republic is a body of free craftsmen united to create tools of liberty. We are honored to be your armorsmith of choice. Civilian ownership of body armor is about increasing decentralized power and, by comparison, reducing the advantages of centralized power. The danger of centralized power is often represented by the word king. As Americans, we hate the word king. Applied to any mere man, we are Armored Republic. And in a republic, there is no king but Christ. Arm yourself with tools of liberty at armoredrepublic.com.
5: Pastor Keith Allen of Lynbrook Baptist Church, a Christ centered, gospel driven church looking to spread the gospel in the southwest portion of Long Island, New York, and play our role in fulfilling the Great Commission, supporting and sending for the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're delighted to be a part of Chris Arnzen's Iron Sharpens Iron Radio advertising family. At Lynbrook Baptist Church, we believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the inspired word of God. Inerrant in the original writings, complete as the revelation of God's will for salvation and the supreme and final authority in all matters to which they speak. We believe in salvation by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ. This salvation is based upon the sovereign grace of God, was purchased by Christ on the cross, and is received through faith alone, apart from any human merit, works, or ritual. Salvation in Christ also results in righteous living, good works, and appropriate respect and concern for all who bear God's image. If you live near Lynbrook, Long Island, or if you're just passing through on the Lord's Day, we'd love to have you come and join us in worship. For details, visit lynbrookbaptist.org. That's lynbrookbaptist.org. This is Pastor Keith Allen of Lynbrook Baptist Church reminding you that by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. May the Lord bless you in the knowledge of Himself.
6: Hi, I'm Brian McLaughlin, President of the SecureCom Group and an enthusiastic supporter of Chris Arnson's Iron Sharpens Iron radio program. The SecureCon Group provides the highest level of security, closer to television, access control, and communication systems for Manhattan's top residential buildings, as well as churches, commercial properties, municipalities, and more. We custom-install exactly what you need to protect yourself, including digital recording, off-site viewing and connectivity from most smart devices. From simple code-activated systems to the latest technology using facial recognition, the SecureCom Group has it. We also provide the latest in intercom and IP telephone systems. In addition, we provide superior networking platforms. We'll create, maintain, and secure your local network. Whether it's a Wi-Fi or hardwire network, we'll implement the latest secured firewall, endpoint solutions, and cloud backup. I would love to have the honor and privilege of helping protect the lives and property of Iron Sharpens Iron radio listeners and their associates. For more details on how the SecureCom Group may be of service to you with the very latest in security innovations, call 718-353-3355. That's 718-353-3355. Or visit SecureComGroup.com. That's SecureComGroup.com. Dot com. This is Brian McLaughlin of the SecureCom Group. Joining Chris Armson's family of advertisers to keep Iron Sharpens Iron radio on the air.
7: here at Iron Sharpen's Iron Radio, praise God for the generous monthly financial support of Royal Diadem Jewelers, educated by and affiliated with the American Gem Society, Jewelers of America, and the gemological institute of america for the perfect custom designed engagement ring or any one of a kind piece of jewelry created exactly according to your imagination and specifications royal diadem jewelers has you covered no matter where you live in the world royal diadem will walk you step by step through every stage of the process and even hold a high-tech internet virtual visit using state-of-the-art jewelry design technology to serve you They start by listening carefully to determine your needs. They're interested in making what you want, not what they want to sell you. From rough design to digital model, to photorealistic image, to wax prototype model, to the finished product. They're continually listening to your input, likes and dislikes, making any changes necessary along the way. This will ensure that your custom jewellery will turn out exactly as you dreamed and well beyond your expectations. Visit RoyalDiadem.com. That's RoyalDiadem.com today. Sterling Vanderwerker, owner of Royal Diadem Jewellers, his wife Bronnie, his business partner and manager Brian Wilson, and the entire family thank you all for listening to Praying For... And supporting the work of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. And please,
1: folks, do not forget, RoyalDiadem.com is still offering Iron Sharpens Iron Radio this monumental offer. They are giving Iron Sharpens Iron Radio 100% of the profits from any sale of jewelry To an Iron Sharpens Iron Radio listener, as long as that listener simply mentions Iron Sharpens Iron Radio when making their purchase, whether it is jewelry that they already have in stock at royaldiadem.com, or if you're having a -a one-of-a-kind customized piece of jewelry created, like an engagement ring, uh, like taking your church logo, your parachurch ministry logo, your business logo, your seminary logo your denomination logo and turn it into a pendant for a necklace or a ring or anything else your imagination and creativity can conjure up in your mind they will take what's in your brain and turn it into a physical piece of jewelry that will blow your mind i've seen personally firsthand the absolutely mind-blowing breathtaking exquisite work that they do when they customize jewelry they are masters at customizing jewelry And so if you have any interest in purchasing jewelry for yourself or for somebody you love, and, of course, Valentine's Day is right around the corner, uh, please go to RoyalDiadem.com very soon. In fact, please go there today and at least start the ball rolling on your purchase because we have no idea when they're going to pull the plug on this offer where we get 100% of the profits from any sale of jewelry to an Iron and Iron Radio listener. So go to royaldiadem.com today, mention Iron Trump and Zion Radio. We're now back with my guest, Ron Aguiar, who is the author of Keeping Your Church Safe, Security Essentials for Houses of Worship. If you have a question, go to send an email to chrisarnzen at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. Give us your first name at least, city and state and country residence. Now, Ron, I'd like you to begin this segment of the show by imagining you are presenting a seminar or a workshop on this very topic, and mm-hmm. you've got uh, pastors, elders, deacons, and perhaps uh, security individuals that are already in place at different churches. I'm sure many right. churches don't have any such people, uh, right. but uh, and and start the ball rolling about you know the very first steps in creating this extra barrier of safety that should be in place uh, for the physical well-being of the flock.
2: Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> if you're a church in a community that has a sheriff's office, a local PD, even if you're out in the middle of, um, you know, farmland or something, and there's not much around you, there's a state trooper um, Uh, available, get one of the local law enforcement guys to come in. First of all, kind of walk around the building and tell you look about the building and check your physical security, give you some pointers on what to do and what to look for. And uh, before you do that, find somebody in your congregation that will step up and lead the team. Now, you could, if you're fortunate enough, have a former police officer, current law enforcement officer someone connected in the law enforcement field uh, in your congregation if you do that makes things a lot easier because then they can go and meet the local uh, PD and bring them in uh, the other thing you want to do is you want to create a team if you're a church of a hundred that team may be two or three people If you're a church of 10,000 that team's going to be 20 or more so you want to start by creating a team get somebody in charge and uh, I can remember the first thing that I did uh, with the church when they hired me, we're getting ready to move. We had no, uh, no budget for me. The elders were kind enough to bring me on board. And anyway, we decided I ran an ad in our bulletin at the time. It was a weekly newspaper and I ran an ad and I'm saying, I'm looking for law enforcement or uh, individuals that want to be part of a security team here at the church. And I'm having a meeting Tuesday night. And then I, contacted everybody I knew in the church. And I said, I need prayer. I need prayer now because this is an important ministry and I need to bring the right people. So I had a meeting on Tuesday night and lo and behold, we had a bunch of guys show up. Now, not all of them became part of the team, but the, the group that showed up became the nucleus of the team. So you want to put somebody in charge. That's the first thing you have to do. Um, even if you have no law enforcement, maybe an ex-military guy that uh, knows a little bit about security, and if you don't have anybody at all, then find someone who is passionate about keeping the church safe and start there. And again, if you if they don't have any training, no law enforcement background, then you it's incumbent upon you to bring the law enforcement people in. And this stuff is free. It's open to the public. A lot of a lot of departments have a community officer that does exactly this. They meet with businesses, they meet with commercial property owners and go through and help them provide security uh, information. You you mean you think
1: that uh, you either you think or you know that most local police departments would provide this service for a church for free
2: oh yeah sure yeah i i mean every department that i've ever talked to um says yeah we'll send somebody out and and the reason is they want a safe place they don't want to respond right. to something so they, they want they want the church to be a safe place they don't want to get a call on sunday morning and said hey there's a guy with a gun in the church they'd rather get a call and say listen there's a uh, there's somebody in the parking lot that we think has a gun. We've locked ourselves in the church, um, which happened here in Florida last week. There was a church, um, had two guys in the parking lot. that were suspicious. They quickly called 911, got in the church, locked the doors. To, the police came, <clears throat> took the two guys into custody. Uh, the officers went into the church, made everybody get down on their hands and knees and, and uh, raise their hands and searched everybody. But that's what they want. They want to, they want that to happen before the guys get in the church to actually create an active shooter situation. So, yeah, they'll come out. Um, I can't tell you um, how many churches I have visited or talked to where they did that and it worked out well. It not only creates um, that security information, but now you've got an avenue into the department or agency that you're dealing with. you got somebody you can call. And say, listen, we're dealing with a guy coming on the property every Wednesday night for Bible study. We're concerned about this guy now or this gal now knows who you are and they understand the building. They understand you and the church. It makes a great connection. So please invite them Um, and that'll help the process. But the first thing is get somebody in charge, connect with the PD and then get training. You got to get some training. Um, guys like me are out there that have former law enforcement backgrounds that do church security specifically. Um, there's some companies. USCCA has some information. Like I said, they got those videos, and uh, you know the NRA. Everybody does something now for church security. And never forget that your insurance company, whether you're a small church, medium size, or large, has connections. If if you if you're buying your insurance your church through an agent who's your cousin down the street working at Ron's, um, insurance agency, he's got to broker the coverage for your church. So he's got to go to somebody. There are three or four very large companies in the U S that provide blanket coverages for churches all over the com- country. They do between 300, 300 and 400,000 churches, even the small agents use them. So that's a great Avenue, um, Church Mutual, uh, you know Philadelphia. There's there's a bunch of them out there. There's three or four of them that have information free to their members that belong to their insurance group, and they'll send somebody out. They'll send they'll give you information on conferences, and this information is usually all free because you're a client of theirs. Um, <clears throat> when you reduce the risk at a church, they 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 reduce the premiums. So. You can use that leverage with the insurance company that, hey, we're forming a security team. We need some help. What resources do you have? So your cousin Ron down the street can call Church Mutual or Brotherhood Mutual or Philadelphia or Guide One, one of the big companies, and say, you know, uh john down the street who's pastor he's my cousin and he's got a congregation of 250 people and he's starting a security team what can you do and they will contact you they've got information they got videos and they may even send a rep out from the company to help so go and get those resources and get training um and i think that's important now uh, something else that i advocate in today's society someone in the congregation has to carry a firearm. Amen. And, yeah, you got to do that. Um, I was in Philadelphia at a conference at US- USCCA shortly after the shooting at the synagogue. And um, I was called to do an interview on live TV for 20 minutes. It turned out to be almost an hour. And uh, <clears throat> they were interested in my views on how to protect churches just like you and I are talking. But the but the conversation quickly moved to why do we allow guns in churches? And so there was a lot of talk about that for almost an hour on live TV. But my stance is somebody's got to carry a gun. You can allow you cannot allow an active shooter to come into your congregation and no one responds. You just gotta do it. So in large churches that may be multiple people. And if when someone carries a gun Find out what the jurisdiction requires. A lot of states now are doing away with concealed carry permits. Eventually, I think the country's, except for a few states, is going to do away with them. But it's always good to get a concealed carry permit. Wow, you, you are
1: you are that pessimistic about this the nation that most <laughs> most states are going to outlaw conceal and carry.
2: I I, I think. That, you know, the states, the Texas, the Florida's, the Nebraska's, those, those, Kentucky, just uh, Kentucky, you can conceal carry now without a permit. So um, there are states out there that are going to drop their requirements. But um, there's probably going to be about 15 or 17 states that will never do that. They're going to require you to jump through all kinds of hoops, even if they allow you to carry a gun. But that's why when I talk about, you know, if you're in an area where you can't have anybody carry a gun, then Get an off duty police officer. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, even if you have to pay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did conferences. I, I did conferences and uh, protected an individual who spoke at large conferences for about 15 years. And whenever we went into a arena, and sometimes there were nineteen or 20,000 people, I walked into a jurisdiction, and most of the time I couldn't carry a weapon. So guess what? I'd hire off duty police officers. Here's the deal. We had them in our church, our, our security team had off duty officers on the, the team. And the reason I had them, there were some volunteer, but some of them we paid. There's a really good reason to do that. Number one is if you're a police officer, you're a police officer 24 seven. That's right. I can remember going I remember going to recruit class and they said, if we catch you without your gun and your badge, you're in deep trouble. So I, I so you're a cop 24 seven. As a police officer, even if you're working and volunteering, not getting paid as a volunteer in the church, if a crime happens, the law dictates you must respond as an officer. Mm
8: -hmm.
2: You're You're no longer part of the security team of Southeast Christian. You are now Officer Rod from the Little Metro PD, and you effectively then are covered both criminally and civilly by your agency. So you take that responsibility off the church. So is it worth to pay an off-duty officer? Absolutely. How much does it cost? I can't tell you because every agency is different. I've paid as little as twelve dollars an hour to as much as ninety an hour in a large city like Chicago. But the fact is we talk about that insurance company. The fact is If I go to that insurance company and say, part of our new security plan is to have an off-duty officer on premises, in uniform, in a marked unit, and I'm going to use them to protect the congregation during Sunday services, I got to pay them. That's part of the reducing of the risk for the church. When you do that, the insurance company goes, okay, so you reduce the risk. If there's something that happens, that police officer responds, so the church then doesn't have to respond And the insurance company takes a big sigh, a big breath of relief. And guess what happens every year? You tell your insurance agency, make sure the insurance company knows that I'm hiring that off-duty officer because it reduces the risk. And 90% of the time, Chris, 90% of the time, they will reduce your premiums for coverages and uh, for criminal behavior and other factors. And when when that happens, it'll – almost offset, if not offset, the cost of hiring that off-duty officer.
1: And so there's, 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 a, there's a huge thing here that people, especially in certain areas geographically of the United States, although it's prob- mm-hmm. it's probably applicable even in the Midwest and Deep South where guns are commonplace, even here in Pennsylvania, Guns, yeah. guns are very commonplace, but there are some areas where just because people were not raised with right. uh, a a commonality of firearms in how uh-huh. in households, right? There are I, I have met conservative Christians; they're conservative politically and they're conservative theologically, and yet they have this bizarre, sque- right. squeamish attitude. Right. about christians carrying firearms they uh oh, we got to trust in the lord or we got to yep. be more concerned with the soul of the criminal than right. than protecting ourselves now you may <clears throat> uh adopt that as your own philosophy when you're alone but it, right. it it's negligible when you're talking about women and children especially right. and the elderly uh, and right. people who can't defend for themselves in in a church building it's it's really uh greeting card christianity it's not really biblical uh biblically based christianity uh you know i mean even christ <laughs> told his apostles mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. to uh sell your cloak and buy a sword mm-hmm. um you know christ didn't have this for lack of a better term, manby-pamby attitude towards weapons.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, You know, if you look back at Nehemiah when he built the wall, he didn't just, he just, he just didn't build a wall. He put guards up. You know, there were people guarding and, um, you know, that was part of the security so his people could build the wall. And I think that that comes back and that's in in Nehemiah, I think it's four nine. A lot of the security firms use that as their um, message from the biblical message that uh, we got to protect our facility as we're building our buildings, as we're building uh, our ministries. And I think, yeah, guns, I tell you, um, as a police, as a former police officer, I have seen a lot of things in my life and I've been shot at. Um, and it's not a great feeling to get a bullet <laughs> by. I tell you, and uh, you know, I pulled my gun a couple times, Thankfully, the Lord um, protected me and I didn't have to use it. But I'll tell you, man, I, it's just you have to you got to have somebody in the congregation have a weapon. Now, you can be very you can go overboard. And if you allow everybody to carry a weapon, then you got to be careful because we'll be shooting each other.
1: Now, but, now, are you by saying that are you saying that uh, a, a <clears throat> church should not allow every congregant to carry a weapon?
2: Into, I think the, into the
1: worship service, I mean.
2: Yeah, I think it's you got to be careful about doing that because if I'm part of the security team and there's an active shooter and everybody starts sending up with a gun, I I don't know who the bad guy is. Right. Somebody, somebody some innocent person is going to get shot. They will. And so um, what we did was we discouraged our congregation from carrying weapons. So if I saw somebody carrying a weapon in, I'd first of all approach them and say, hey, are you an off-duty officer or something? And if they say no, you know, we had, of course, what we did is I would tell them, well, can you put the gun in the car? Because we have a full security team in here. And if something happens, you may end up getting shot. I mean, that's straight on. And so most of the time they'd comply and put the gun in the car. If they're an off-duty officer, federal agent, whatever else, I just tell them, I say, listen, we've got a security team. We have weapons on the property carried by trained individuals. If something happens, unless it's on top of you, your job is to get your family out of here because we'll take care of the, the active shooter. So in churches that do not have that resource, then you've got to have some trained people and train them well. And not only going to the firing range and shoot 20 shots and hitting the target 11 times. You have to hire somebody or take them to a class where they learn tactical shooting a little bit um, more than the average person so that they don't pull their gun as the first thought during an incident. Because the gun should come out lastly, only when uh, to save someone's life or to prevent anybody from getting hurt. So you have to have that mindset and training. Um, now I was it- at a church.
1: I'm sorry. Uh, well, I was just going to ask, when you say that <clears throat> drawing your gun is the last resort, are you, yes. sa- are you saying that even when the intruder, the criminal, is already got his gun drawn and he's... Oh, no, no.
2: No, 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 no. The gun's out. Mine's out. Okay. It's coming out. Okay. Yeah. No. I'm talking about somebody coming in that's agitated, that appears... He may be escalating. I need to be careful because he may be carrying. I'm not going to draw my. I'm not going to draw my weapon on it because he may not have a gun. But if he has a weapon, absolutely, Chris, mine's coming out, and this is me personally. I'm shooting because, and if you watch any of the videos that USCCA did with me, you'll find that when that gun comes out, you have to stop the threat because Amen. the bad guy, the bad guy. When he pulls that gun out, it's not to say, hi, how are you? He's he's basically pulling the gun out to shoot somebody. So I'm not going to allow that to happen. If I see a gun come out, my gun's coming out and I'm firing. I am. I'm just going to fire. And that's me personally. And and if somebody comes to me and talks to me, that's what I tell him. I would do. And mm-hmm. I, I would tell him you need to train that way because you can't allow somebody to come in um, church with a gun and you just can't. There was a um, there's incidents upon incidents. I mean, the, the shooting that occurred. There was a shooting occurred in Texas where a former police officer shot a uh, intruder during service after the guy had shot somebody. They knew this guy was mentally ill. He came to the church, and I'm I'm doing 2020 hindsight, of course, but he came to the church dressed in a trench coat. He had a shotgun under it. It was hot, and um, no one confronted him to the point of stopping him from getting into the church. So when he walked down on the side, of course, he pulled the shotgun and shot. But as he pulled that shotgun, there was a former officer who drew his revolver and shot and killed the guy. So, yeah, you have to do that. Uh, I'm a firm believer in guns in churches. I'm a firm believer in getting people trained that use guns. Um, I was at a church that had 100 people They wanted to come in, have me come in and do an assessment and training. I said, OK, bring your security team. They had out of 100 people, they had 12 people on their team. I said, wow. Okay. So we sat in the basement of the church and I said, uh, who carries a gun? They all did. I said, okay. Tell me what training you had. Except for one of them, the only training they had was a concealed carry class where they shot their gu- uh, gun 20 times. I said, you can't do that because you're going to end up shooting each other. You got to learn how to operate this weapon and you got to learn how to be safe with it and you got to learn when to pull it out. So get training. I'm a firm believer in guns, but get training. And make sure the departments know that you're you're having people with guns. And if an active shooter does occur on the property and the police are coming in, the first thing you got to do is when the shooting is all done and you've done what you're supposed to do, holster your weapon, they come in, raise your hands. Do not be a threat to them. Um, There was a – I talked about this in my book. There was a shooting in a Kroger supermarket in Jefferson Town, Kentucky. We live 10 minutes from there. A buddy of mine responded to that as a detective, uh, 20 years service. He arrived as a shooter was leaving in his vehicle. Uh, uniformed officers stopped him. But this guy came in, he was a racist. He came in and shot a black person in the supermarket and came out the door and shot another one, killed both of them. When my buddy and his friend walked into the police room, ran into the Kroger, they saw a young man with a weapon over uh, one of the victims in the aisle in the supermarket. He had the weapon drawn. My buddy had his weapon drawn. So what do you do at that moment? 20 years of experience told him not to fire because the guy was not pointing it at anything. He was just the gun was at his side. The victim was on the floor. So he yelled at him, yelled at him. Police, police dropped the gun. So the guy dropped the gun. It turned out the guy was just protecting her in case the guy came back. Ah. But if he if he would have shot him, he would have killed an innocent guy. So those are the things that they teach you in training. Say, hey, listen, be careful because every bullet that comes out of your gun, you're responsible for. So, and, uh, we
1: got to go to our midway break, but please pick up where you left off and don't forget where you left off because I, I hate interrupting you because you're giving us such a valuable information. Folks, uh, please contact as many of our advertisers as you can, knowing that they are the ones keeping this show on the air. We'll be right back. Puritan Reformed is a Bible-believing, kingdom-building,
8: devil-fighting church. We are devoted to upholding the apostolic doctrine and practice preserved in Scripture alone. Puritan Reformed teaches men to rule and lead as image-bearing prophets, priests, and kings. We teach families to worship together as families. Puritan is committed to teaching the whole counsel of God so that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. We sing the Psalms, teach the law, proclaim the gospel, make disciples, maintain discipline, and exalt Christ. This is Pastor David Reese of Puritan Reformed in Phoenix, Arizona. Join us in the glorious cause of advancing Christ's crown and covenant over the kings of the earth. Puritan Reformed Church believe build fight puritan phx.com
1: It's such a blessing to hear from Iron Sharpens Iron radio listeners from all over the world. Here's Joe Riley a listener in Ireland who wants you to know about a guest on the show he really loves hearing interviewed, Dr. Joe Moorcraft.
9: I'm Joe Reilly, a faithful Iron Sharpens Iron radio listener here in Athy in County Kildare, Ireland, going back to 2005. One of my very favorite guests on Iron Sharpens Iron is Dr. Joe Moorcraft. If you've been blessed by Iron Sharpens Iron radio, Dr. Moorcraft and Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, are largely to thank since they are one of the program's largest financial supporters. Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming is in Forsyth County, a part of the Atlanta metropolitan area. Heritage is a thoroughly biblical church, unwaveringly committed to Westminster standards, and Dr. Joe Moorcraft is the author of an eight-volume commentary on the larger catechism. Heritage is a member of the Hanover Presbyterian church built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and tracing its roots and heritage back to the great Protestant Reformation of the 16th century. Heritage maintains and follows the biblical truth and principles proclaimed by the Reformers, Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, and God's glory alone. Their primary goal is the worship of the Triune God that continues in eternity. For more details on Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, visit... HeritagePresbyterianChurch.com dot com. That's Heritage dot com. Or call 678-954-7831. That's 678-954-7831. If you visit, tell them Joe Riley, an Iron Sharpens Iron Radio Listener, a in County Kildare,
10: Ireland sent you. Hello, my name is Anthony Uvinio, and I'm one of the pastors at Hope Reform Baptist Church in Coram, New York, and also the host of the ReformRookie.com website. I want you to know that if you enjoy listening to the Iron Sharpens Iron Radio show like I do, you can now find it on the Apple's iTunes app by typing Iron Sharpens Iron Radio in the search bar. You no longer have to worry about missing a show or a special guest because you're in your car or still at work. Just subscribe on the iTunes app and listen to the Iron Sharpens Iron radio show at any time, day or night. Please be sure to also give it a good review and pass it along to anyone who would benefit from the teaching and the many solidly reformed guests that Chris Arnson has on the show. Truth is so hard to come by these days, so don't waste your time with fluff or fake news. Subscribe to the Iron Sharpens Iron radio podcast right now. And while you're at it, you can also sign up for the ReformRookie.com podcast and visit our website and the YouTube page. We are dedicated to teaching Christian theology from a Reformed Baptist perspective to beginners in the faith as well as seasoned believers. From Keech's Catechism and the Doctrines of Grace to the Olivet Discourse and the Book of Leviticus, the Reform Rookie podcast and YouTube channel is sure to have something to offer everyone seeking biblical truth. And finally, if you're looking to worship in a Reformed church that holds to the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, please join us at Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Quorum, New York. Again, I'm Pastor Anthony Avino, and thanks for listening.
11: If you love Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, one of the best ways you can help keep the show on the air is by supporting our advertisers. One such faithful advertiser who really believes in what Chris Arntzen is doing is Daniel P. Patafuco serious injury lawyer and Christian apologist. Dan is the president and founder of the Historical Bible Society. Their mission? To foster belief in the credibility of Scripture as the written Word of God. They go to various churches, schools and institutions to publicly display a rare collection of biblical texts along with a fascinating presentation by Mr. Butterfuco demonstrating the reliability of Scripture. To advance the cause of the gospel, they created a beautiful, perfect facsimile of the genealogy of Jesus Christ from the original engravings contained in a first edition 1611 King James Bible. This 17th century hand-engraved chart shows the family tree of Jesus Christ going back to Adam and Eve. This book is complete with gorgeous full-size illustrations of Noah's Ark, and the Tower of Babel, and an explanation of why the genealogy of Jesus is so important for his claims to the throne of the universe. Originals of this work are in museums, and nobody has ever made it accessible to the public in a large book form before. You can have your own copy of this 44-page genealogy book for a donation of $35 or more. Visit historicalbiblesociety.org. That's historicalbiblesociety.org. Thanks for helping to keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air.
12: This is Pastor Bill Sasso, Grace Church at Franklin, here in the beautiful state of Tennessee. Our congregation is one of a growing number of churches who love and support Iron Sharpens Iron Radio financially. Grace Church at Franklin is an independent, autonomous body of believers which strives to clearly declare the whole counsel of God as revealed in Scripture through the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, the end for which we strive is the glory of God. If you live near Franklin, Tennessee, and Franklin is just south of Nashville, maybe 10 minutes, or you are visiting this area, or you have friends and loved ones nearby, we hope you will join us some Lord's Day in worshiping our God and Savior. Please feel free to contact me if you have more questions about Grace Church at Franklin. Our website is gracechurchatfranklin.org. That's gracechurchatfranklin.org. This is Pastor Bill Sasser wishing you all the richest blessings of our Sovereign Lord, God, Savior, and King Jesus Christ today and always.
1: Iron Sharp and Zion Radio, first launched in 2005. The publishers of the New American Standard Bible were among my very first sponsors. It gives me joy knowing that many scholars and pastors in the Iron Sharp and Zion Radio audience have been sticking with or switching to the NASB.
3: I'm Dr. Joseph Piper, president and professor of systematic and homiletical theology at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Taylor, South Carolina. And the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Chuck White at the First Trinity Lutheran Church in Tonawanda, New York. And the NASB is my Bible of choice.
2: I'm Pastor Anthony Mathenia of Christ Church in Radford, Virginia. And the NASB is my Bible of choice.
9: I'm Pastor Jesse Miller of Damascus Road Christian Church in Gardenville, Nevada. And the NASB is my Bible of choice.
2: I'm Pastor Bruce Bennett of Word of Truth Church in Farmingville, Long Island, New York, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Rodney Brown
13: of Metro Bible Church in South Lake, Texas, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm
0: Pastor Jim Harrison of Red Mills Baptist Church in
13: Mayapack
1: Falls, New York, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. Here's a great way for your church to help keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Pastors, are your pew Bibles tattered and falling apart? Consider restocking your pews with the NASB. And tell the publishers you heard about them from Chris Arnzen on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Go to nasbible.com. That's nasbible.com to place your order.
13: James White of and Omega Ministries here. If you've watched my Dividing Line webcast often enough, you know I have a great love for getting Bibles and other documents vital to my ministry rebound to preserve and ensure their longevity. And besides that, they feel so good. I'm so delighted I discovered Post Tenebrous Lux Bible Rebinding. No radio ad will be long enough to sing their praises sufficiently, but I'll give it a shot. Jeffrey Rice of Post Tenebrous Lux is a remarkably gifted craftsman and artisan. All his work is done by hand from the cutting to the pleating of corners to the perimeter stitching. Jeffrey uses the finest and buttery soft imported leathers in a wide variety of gorgeous colors like the turquoise goat skin tanned in Italy used for my Nessial in 28th edition with a navy blue goat skin inside liner and the electric blue goat skin from a French tannery used to rebind a Reformation study Bible used as a gift. The silver gilding he added on the page edges has a stunning mirror finish resembling highly polished chrome. Jeffrey will customize your rebinding to your specifications and even emboss your logo into the leather making whatever he rebinds a one-of-a-kind work of art. For more details on post-Tenebrous Lux Bible Rebinding, go to PTL ptlbiblerebinding.com. That's PTL ptlbiblerebinding.com.
3: Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said... Give yourself unto reading. The man who never reads will never be read. He who never quotes will never be quoted. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains
7: proves that he has
3: no brains of his own. You need to read. Solid Ground Christian Books is a publisher and book distributor who takes these words of the Prince of Preachers to heart. The mission of Solid Ground Christian Books is to bring back treasures of the past to minister to Christians in the present and future and to publish new titles that address burning issues in the church and the world. Since its beginning in 2001, Solid Ground has been committed to publish God-centered, Christ-exalting books for all ages. We invite you to go treasure hunting at solid-ground-books.com. That's solid-ground-books.com and see what priceless literary gems from the past or present you can unearth from Solid Ground. Solid Ground Christian Books is honored to be a weekly sponsor of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio.
1: And please, folks, do not forget that Solid-Ground-Books.com is experiencing a crisis in book sales. So I'm hoping many of you in the Iron Sharpens Iron Radio listening audience will come to the rescue and make a purchase of books today, the largest purchase you can possibly make. Go to Solid-Ground-Books.com, and there is a treasure trove of Christian literature dating back to the 16th century Protestant Reformation and extending forward to our modern day, including such current authors as Dr. James R. White of Alpha and Omega Ministries. When you're making a purchase, please always mention Chris Arnzen of Iron Chirp and Zion Radio. And please keep in mind, you're not only going to be doing solid-ground-books.com a favor by purchasing books from them, and you're not only going to be doing Iron Chirp and Zion Radio a favor by keeping one of our most important advertisers happy, You're going to be doing yourself and anyone for whom you are purchasing books from solid-ground-books.com an enormous favor of incalculable value because they bring back into print and publish for the first time nothing but the finest in Christian literature. And they have unearthed some hidden treasures that have been buried by time over the centuries. And some of the books they have brought back into print have not even been read by Christians for centuries. So please go to solid-ground-books.com today. Enrich yourself, bless those you love with the finest in Christian literature. Always mention Iron Trip and Zion Radio. Before I return to my guest today, Ron Aguiar, and our discussion on keeping your church safe, security essentials for houses of worship, I have some important announcements to make. Uh, If you love this show, folks, you don't want it to disappear from the airwaves. Go to com, click support, then click, click to donate now. You can donate instantly with a debit or credit card. If you prefer snail mail, there will also be a physical address that appears on the screen when you click support at com, where you can mail your checks made payable to Radio if you prefer that method. Also, if you want to advertise with us, Whatever it may be, as long as it's compatible with what I believe, I would love to help you launch an ad campaign quickly because I'm just as much in urgent need of your advertising dollars as I am in your donations. So, uh, go, uh, please go to, or should I say send me an email to Chris Arnson at Ironshirp and Zion Radio. I'm sorry, ChrisArnson at gmail.com. ChrisArnson at gmail.com and, uh, put advertising in the subject line. Also, uh, folks, uh, always remember that I never want my listeners giving your own church where you remember less money than you normally give your church on the Lord's Day in order to send us a financial gift. Please never do that. And if you're really struggling to survive, wait until you're back on your feet, more stable financially before you send us a financial gift. The Bible is very clear that uh, we are to primarily use the funds with which God has blessed us, which is still his money. We're primarily to use that to provide for our church and our family, and providing for my radio show is not a command of God, obviously. But if you do love this show, don't want it to disappear, and you are blessed above and beyond your ability to provide for church and family, you have extra money for benevolent, recreational, and trivial purposes, please go to ironsharpensironradio.com, click support, then click, click to donate now. Last but not least, if you're not a member of a Christ-honoring, biblically faithful, theologically sound, doctrinally solid church, no matter where in the world you live, I may be able to help you find a church just as, as I have done with many listeners in the Iron Trip and Zion Radio audience spanning the globe. I have sometimes found churches for folks all over the world within a couple of minutes from where they live. And that may be possibly you as, as well if you do not have a church home that is sound. Send me an email to ChrisArnson at gmail.com and put I Need a Church in the subject line. That's also the email address to send in a question for Ron Aguiar, the author of Keeping Your Church Safe. Send it to ChrisArnson at gmail.com. Give us the first name at least, city and state and country of residence. And Ron, right before the commercial break, you were talking about those, or should I say that uh, racist that entered into a Kroger and murdered yeah. uh, a couple of people and— I had to cut you off because we were going into the midway break. So uh, please yep. bring up anything that you intended to say before that break.
2: Sure. Um, I was kind of wrapping that up, but basically get training. I mean, that's so important when you're carrying a weapon. Um, there, You know, the USCCA does training through their instructors. The NRA does training through their instructors. And also there's an organization called the American Society for Industrial Security, ASIS. They're the largest security organization in the world. And through them, they've got tons of resources. And in the United States, they hold one or two large conferences a year that I've attended and I recommend people go to. Um, But those organizations have resources and training, especially the NRA and USCCA. And you can get some certification and additional training with weapons. The other thing about guns is that you need to notify your insurance company as part of your security team, uh, especially if the people are volunteering or uh, are civilians that are carrying weapons. The most insurance companies that cover churches will have a form. It's called a security officer form. This is a rider onto a policy that basically states that, you know, John Smith, Bob Smith, whatever, are listed carrying weapons and you authorize them as a church to carry the weapons on your property and to act as a security team. Now, the insurance company will carry that as a rider, as an overall coverage, but not necessarily individually. So when I work for the church, although the church covered me as an employee and insurance covered me, I had my own personal policy because Like I said earlier, you're responsible for that weapon and every bullet that leaves the gun. So I had a personal policy coverage so that if I did use my weapon and I was sued and you will be, then at least they don't come after everything in your life that the insurance company will take care of you in that regard. So I highly recommend that, too. So get training um, with a weapon. Make sure that you use one of those agencies, organizations. And if worst case scenario, Chris, um, you're in the middle of nowhere and there are tons of churches all over that fit that description. Um, Go to a local sheriff or local um, state troopers office or somebody and say, listen, we want to protect our people. So we're going to carry a gun. There's going to be a couple guys carrying a gun in the church. Can we get some training? And all of those guys have been through Uh, training through some qualified trainer in their department or agency. And sometimes you may have to pay them a few dollars, but they'll come and do some training or they'll come to, you can go to their site and they'll do some training so that they know that somebody in that church is carrying a gun safely and that they'll only use it when they have to. So I think that's super important to do. Um, So get some training and get and use one of those uh, companies.
1: Okay, we have a question from Hector in Haverstraw, New York. Hector says, what is the typical time frame for a person to be adequately trained with a firearm if they have never owned or fired a firearm before?
2: they've never owned or or fired a firearm, it's going to take a little longer. Um, As a former police officer, when I moved to Louisville, Kentucky, my job was a security director for Papa John's and International. And uh, one of the things I did was because I had not carried a gun in many years uh, in a work capacity, uh, we hired a guy and I came and we spent uh, eight hours, um, all, two hours a day for four days going through technical shooting and getting really back familiar to what it was to being a police officer and handling a weapon. So if you've never fired a gun, never shot, it's going to take long. You need to get some basic firearm training. Uh, concealed carry class is a good place to start Get from because they cover safety a lot in those classes. Um, you shoot some, but not much. And then pay to go additional classes. Whoever's teaching that class is usually an indoor firing range or outdoor firing range. Pay to go and get more training. So you may end up with 40 hours of uh, range training and shooting so that you're very comfortable with your weapon and that you're not afraid to use it if you have to, but also you'll you'll, feel comfortable not using it when you don't have to. So it may be 20 to 40 hours of actual range time in, in individual instruction. That would be my recommendation for somebody who's never shot a weapon.
1: And how is that broken up? as far you know how many hours a day is that typically involved yeah
2: well I, i'm saying that you could probably like i i went and did my eight hours but it was over four days you can only do so much intense shooting so you may do an hour uh going in spending 15 minutes of some safety and instruction do 45 minutes of shooting and then another 15 minutes breaking down what you just did cleaning your weapon so you may end up going to the going to the range maybe 15, 20 times. Um, So, yeah, uh, it's going to take some time. But you got to get comfortable with that weapon because you want to be responsible. Um, The things about juries, whether they're criminal or civil, is they always look at what would a reasonable person do. So if I'm a reasonable guy carrying a weapon and protecting people in a church, somebody pulls a gun, a reasonable response is to pull my gun and use it. But if somebody walks into the church being agitated and screaming and punching people, it's not a reasonable response to pull my gun. So that's what you got to learn. You got to learn when to use it and when not to use it. And that training, it may take a while, it may take 20 hours or more, but it's going to get you more comfortable.
1: By the way, uh, Hector, you have just won a free copy of Keeping Your Church Safe Security Essentials for Houses of Worship. Uh, Thanks to the generosity of our friends at USCCA. And that will be shipped to you by our friends at Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service, cvbbs.com, at no charge to you or to Iron Trip and Zion Radio. Make sure you give us your full mailing address. Uh, we have Goldie in Castleberry, Florida. And Goldie asks, Is there a specific firearm that you most highly recommend? For the average person on a security team at a church.
2: Yeah, I get that question a lot. Um, In today's world of firearms, there's so many to choose from. I would start with a um, if you've never shot a gun, then you're going to learn how to shoot a 22, the smallest caliber handgun that I think you should start with and move up. Most law enforcement agencies carry what they call 40 caliber guns. They're pretty big and they're pretty heavy. Next time you're next to a police officer, look at his gun. He's probably got a Glock, which is a gun that most agencies use. Uh, they carry Sig Sours, which is another one. But both of those guns can be heavy. Now, they do make smaller versions of them. Ruger makes a nice uh, compact gun to carry. Um, you know, Glock has a nice, what they call a small mini Glock a 43, which I use. It's a smaller gun, it's easily concealed, and now they have, a, I think, a 45 um, that model that actually is smaller than that. The other thing to remember is you want to be comfortable in what you shoot. If uh, Goldie, if, if you have small hands, you don't want a gun that when you shoot, it flies out of your hand or you're not able to control. So start off with a smaller caliber and work your way through and test them. At the firing range if you've never shot then work through them and find out what's comfortable for you the semi-automatics are thinner and easier to conceal than the old rotary guns the old um, guns you see on the westerns and when i was a police officer we started off carrying those smith and wesson six shot rotary guns but eventually went to semi-automatics which are flatter and easier to conceal so um, again i'd recommend looking at those uh, guns that more you're more comfortable with. Stay away from the really big guns because they're heavy and awkward to use and hard to conceal. The USCCA has, if you're a member, has a magazine that comes out once a year. And in the back section of it, um, they, uh, they talk about women and how to conceal and what guns to carry. In the front section of it, they talk about guns all the time and they tell you what's good guns to carry and conceal depending on what you're going to use it for. If you're going to carry it with you all day, you want a light concealable carry gun. A police officer doesn't much mind carrying a little heavier gun because he's got a lot of firepower that he needs and a bigger caliber. So, whatever you're comfortable with. So, try them out at the range. Go to a gun shop that has a range, and they'll let you fire some examples and give you some instruction until you find one you really like. Great. Well,
1: Goldie, you've also won a free copy of Keeping Your Church Safe. Make sure we have your full mailing address. Uh, Let's see. We have... Helena in Stuttgart, Arkansas. And Helena (laughs) Helena says, uh, when you have this armed security team in place at a church, should everyone in the congregation be familiar and notified as to who these people are who are carrying weapons?
2: Churches um, go from one extreme to the other in that. Um, What we did was, <clears throat> Excuse me. What we did was we did not carry big signs or lanyards, or I actually saw a church that wore traffic vests that said security on them. I'm not a big fan of that. I'd rather the security team be low key. Again, we went right back to it being a ministry. I don't want a distraction for visitors and congregation members, and I don't think they need to know who we are. Uh, we'll have an earpiece on. Uh, some churches have a little decal or a little pin on their uh, coat or suit jacket. I think that's okay. But carrying a big lanyard or something, I'm not in favor of that, but many churches do. Uh, if you watch the preachers on TV, there's some preachers on TV, you'll notice the security guys immediately. They've got these lanyards and they position around the pastor in the front row. I'm not a big favor of that. I, and one of the reasons is, being a former cop, I can tell you, the bad guys look for me first. So I may, I may not want... I may not be, want to be the first guy getting the bullet, but I want to be the first guy to see. So, um, no, I don't I don't think it's necessary. I don't think they need to be identified. Um, our church was large, so we had all these earpieces, like you see the Secret Service wear in their ear, those little tubes. We also had the captains of the usher team wear them. We had traffic guys wear them. So if you're the bad guy coming in looking for... Um, security, you're going to see a bunch of people with these earpieces. You have no idea whose security is. But um, I, I like the fact that uh, it's low-key. Uh, some churches, like I say, will put a little lapel pin. I think that's okay. But other than that, no, I don't think you need much.
1: So I'm assuming, uh, perhaps I'm wrong, uh, but uh, I, I have seen people, uh, on uh, on somewhere on conservative television where christian schools who have arm, yep. armed security they will put a sign yep. in front of the school that yep. says this the building is guarded by armed security and they may even have a more colorful way of of letting yeah. letting the population know about that i actually liked that are you saying that that wouldn't be a good idea
2: no oh, no i like that a lot also oh, that's uh, so that's, that's different than the yeah. Than the yeah. Lanyard. I, I'm, I'm saying that if you're a security team within the building in worship, then I don't think you need to do that. But if, you know, I, my grandson goes to a school just like that and um, I don't have a problem with them putting a sign up and saying this property is guarded by, um, you know, off duty police officers or security systems or whatever. I, I'm totally fine with that. And, um, so yeah, I'm okay with that on that regard.
1: And I'm assuming also that everything you're saying about churches, you would equally apply that for schools.
2: Yeah, I'm not the expert in schools. I've done some schools. There's some great guys out there that I know personally that do schools. Um, and schools are a different, um, different animal, I guess you would say. I've done some school security training and boy, it is, it's different. Um, uh, but again, I don't have a problem with people carrying, um, hiring an off-duty officer for a school in today's society. I mean, wow, you got to do that, and um, you know the same with the church. When you hire an off-duty officer with a uniform and a marked car and place them under your portico, and that's where I would place them, the front door under the portico, um, and let the bad guys know I got somebody in the building. I think that's that's what you do. Yeah, I think that's okay to advertise that you have security in that way. I don't think it's a good idea to have them roaming the building as part of your security in plain clothes, having a placard on them saying I'm security.
1: And uh, when it comes to. Well, actually, let me take this question first before I ask my own. Uh, we have CJ in Lindenhurst, Long Island, New York. <clears throat> and uh, he is from the uh, Socialist <laughs> Soviet Republic of New York. <laughs> um, uh, CJ asks. Are there different rules, regulations and laws when it comes to arming individuals in a church, depending upon which state you live in?
2: Well, here's the thing uh, for CJ and the rest of your our audience, and that if is that I'm not mistaken. All churches are private property. So basically, I'm renting, I'm buying or whatever. I don't pay the government uh, money. Uh, to rent my space where the church is. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. consequently, so it's private property. So I can make the rules. So um, going back years ago, when I first joined the church as a security director, we decided not to have any guns on the property from people other than, you know, for uh, other than police officers. So the way we enforce that is if we saw somebody with a gun, we just come up and say, Hey, are you a police officer? They said, no, well put the gun in the car. Like I said earlier in the program. Now, What I didn't say was if they refused, excuse me, I'd have an officer with me and I'd say, listen, I'm going to ask you to put the gun in the car again. If you refuse, I'm going to ask you to leave the property. If you refuse to do that, then I'm telling you you're trespassing and this officer is going to arrest you for trespassing. So it's private property and they cannot uh, refute that. So you can make the rules uh, about that. So whether the, if, if you're in New York and the state says you're not allowed to carry guns anywhere in the state, but I can carry a gun in my house. It's my, my home and the same applies to your church.
1: Amen. And CJ, you've also won keeping your church safe. To make sure we have your full mailing address in Lindenhurst, Long Island, where I lived for a decade of my life in addition to Amityville Island, where I lived for the majority of my life before moving to Pennsylvania. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, We have Buck in Hickory Creek, Texas. And Buck says, could you repeat something that you said earlier? I think I may have misunderstood it. You were talking about whether or not you were pessimistic about conceal-and-carry legality in the majority of states in the United States.
2: Yeah. And, and if I was muddled in that, I apologize. But what I'm saying, I don't think there'll be a federal law that will allow concealed carry in all 50 states. I should have wrapped that up. I think state by state, such as Texas, Kentucky, Florida, and other states will allow concealed carry without a permit. So but I don't think there's going to be a federal law um, in the climate that we live in now that will allow concealed carry without a permit in all 50 states. So that's what I meant. I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that more states will come on board and allow that to happen. But I don't believe all states will do that.
7: Uh, well,
1: thanks a lot, Buck. And you've also won keep your church safe. Please make sure we have your full mailing address in Hickory Creek, Texas. And once again, we thank the fine folks at USCCA, the publishers of this book, for providing us with a limited number of free copies. And we thank Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service, CVBBS.com, for shipping the books out to our listeners at no charge to you or to us. And <clears throat> let's get back to uh, this um, hypothetical seminar where you're speaking. Uh, uh-huh. You are You've already told uh, the audience about the the vital aspect of starting the security team. What would be the next step in your presentation at this seminar?
2: Um, get training. And I keep saying that, but I'm, re- I'm repeating myself. But get training, get training from somebody certified who can help um, in providing the team the basics of security for the worship center and the property. And by that, I mean, find somebody like me out there. But there's tons of us out there now uh, in different localities around the country. But you got to be able to set it up so where uh, you can reach all the way down to your staff and volunteers um, that will help with security. Because I believe there's some layers of security that apply. Uh, The first is the parking lot. So part of the training is is to take your parking lot volunteers and train them in observation techniques and greeting people. Um, I go back and use the example of a church of 100 that may only have 30 or 40 or 50 parking spaces. Put somebody in a vest, in a traffic vest, give them a little wand, and have them be a greeter out there. And just say, hi, welcome to so-and-so Christian church. We love seeing you today. Welcome, welcome. Give them a radio that they can communicate to the security team. And if it's a small church, it'll be a family radio. If it's a large church, it'll be more of a commercially graded radio. But they're your frontline security because they'll see something in the parking lot before it gets in the building. Just in the example of last week here in Florida, where they saw the two suspicious people in the parking lot. That parking volunteer is your first line of defense. If it's your large church and you have 10 or 20 of them out there, then one or two people with a radio can report to security and they can come out and take care of the issue. The other layer of security is your entry doors into the building. And usually we have a greeter there or someone just saying hi, handing out bulletins, whatever it is. Those people should be trained also. They should be trained to watch people as they come in usually the same greeters at the same door every weekend. So they'll know when somebody new comes in. Well, hi, my name's Ron. How are you? Welcome to so-and-so Christian church. The bad guys don't want to be identified. And this is a way of meeting them. The other thing that happens is we all have this innate ability that God has given us to recognize danger. So if you're shaking somebody's hand at the front door and they make you feel uncomfortable, the least you should do is, when they leave you and walk into the building, go find somebody to get somebody on the security team that says, hey, that guy made me feel uncomfortable. I just don't know why, but he did. Guess what I do as a security team member? I go there and welcome him. I'm in plain clothes. I said, hi, my name's Ron. Welcome, what's your name? I find out if he is, in fact, a bad guy or not. I think that's the second layer of security. The third are the hallways. Have somebody roaming the hallways on on your team, and they should be trained to observe and watch. Uh, The sanctuary, of course, is your security team, and they're going to be trained on where to sit, what to watch, and how to respond during any type of violence or active shooter. And, of course, don't forget the children and the youth. A lot of times our children and youth, especially our junior and senior high people are in another building even across the street so don't forget to put a security person there and if you're a large church an off-duty officer should be there so those are your areas that you watch and those are your areas that you train you train your ushers and greeters we had a we had an usher call us on our radio says ron there's something unusual there's two guys came in here i need to see somebody so i get up there on our balcony and he says these two guys walked in with a half a gallon empty, what looked like water, and a full gallon looked like water. And he stopped them. He'd been trained to observe, and if anything's unusual, to stop and kind of question. And he said, what's that? And they said, it's water. We, we drink a lot of water. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, those are not allowed in the church service. So he said, let me put them away. He put them away, called us. When we came up, the guys were gone. Now, was that wow. a dry run? Was that a dry run? I don't know, but it was water. But it just shows that if you train your people right, they may have stopped something from occurring. Even if throwing the gallon of water off the balcony could injure or kill somebody. So the usher was well-trained and took it to heart. And we train our ushers and greeters and our volunteers at least once a quarter. Just sat them down for a little while and talk about what has happened and if they've got any questions. But those are your layers of security, and those are the people that you need to train when it comes to active shooters. Also, don't forget the leaders in childrens and youth also need to be trained, given a radio in case something happens. If they see someone with a gun or something suspicious, or if there's someone that's a disgruntled youth or parent, they'll be the first to see that, and they can notify you about that.
1: Well, we have to go to our final break, and if you have any intention to send us a question, send in it immediately to Chris Arnzen at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. Give us your first name at least, city and state, and country residents. Don't go away. We're going to be right back after these messages.
5: I'm Pastor Keith Allen of Lindbrook Baptist Church, a Christ-centered gospel-driven church looking to spread the gospel in the southwest portion of Long Island, New York, and play our role in fulfilling the Great Commission, supporting and sending for the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're delighted to be a part of Chris Arnzen's Iron Sharpens Iron Radio Advertising Family. At Lindbrook Baptist Church, we believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the inspired word of God inerrant in the original writings, complete as the revelation of God's will for salvation and the supreme and final authority in all matters to which they speak. We believe in salvation by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ. This salvation is based upon the sovereign grace of God, was purchased by Christ on the cross, and is received through faith alone, apart from any human merit, works, or ritual. Salvation in Christ also results in righteous living, good works, and appropriate respect and concern for all who bear God's image. If you live near Lynbrook, Long Island, or if you're just passing through on the Lord's Day, we'd love to have you come and join us in worship. For details, visit lynbrookbaptist.org. That's lynbrookbaptist.org. This is Pastor Keith Allen of Lynbrook Baptist Church reminding you that by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The Lord bless you in the knowledge of himself.
4: Armored Republic exists to equip free men with tools of liberty to defend God-given rights against the twin threats of tyranny and chaos. If you own a rifle to resist tyrants and criminals, then you should own body armor and a med kit for the same reasons. A rifle stops evil, body armor and a med kit keep you in the fight and preserve your life. Armored Republic is a body of free craftsmen united to create tools of liberty. We are honored to be your armorsmith of choice. Civilian ownership of body armor is about increasing decentralized power and, by comparison, reducing the advantages of centralized power. The danger of centralized power is often represented by the word king. As Americans, we hate the word king, applied to any mere man. We are Armored Republic, and in a republic, there is no king but Christ. Arm yourself with tools of liberty at ArmoredRepublic.com.
1: Chris Arnzen here, host of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. I strongly recommend a church I've been recommending as far back as the 1980s, Grace Covenant Baptist Church in Flemington, New Jersey, pastored by Alan Dunn. Grace Covenant Baptist Church believes it's God's prerogative to determine how he shall be worshipped and how he shall be represented in the world. They believe churches need to turn to the Bible to discover what to include in worship and how to worship God in spirit and truth. They endeavor to maintain a God-centered focus and to protect worship from the intrusion of carnal entertainments and distractions. Reading, preaching and hearing the word of God Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, baptism, and communion are the scriptural elements of their corporate worship performed with faith, joy, and sobriety. Discover more about Grace Covenant Baptist Church in Flemington, New Jersey at gcbc nj.org. That's gcbc nj.org. Or call them at 908 996 7654. That's 908-996-7654. Tell Pastor Dunn you heard about Grace Covenant Baptist Church on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio.
6: Hi, I'm Brian McLaughlin, president of the SecureCom Group and an enthusiastic supporter of Chris Arnson's Iron Sharpens Iron radio program. The Securecom Group provides the highest level of security, closed-circuit television, access control, and communication systems for Manhattan's top residential buildings, as well as churches, commercial properties, municipalities, and more. We custom install exactly what you need to protect yourself, including digital recording, off-site viewing, and connectivity from most smart devices. From simple code-activated systems to the latest technology using facial recognition, the SecureCom Group has it. We also provide the latest in intercom and IP telephone systems. In addition, we provide superior networking platforms. We'll create, maintain, and secure your local network. Whether it's a Wi-Fi or hardwire network, we'll implement the latest secured firewall, endpoint solutions, and cloud backup. I would love to have the honor and privilege of helping protect the lives and property of Iron Sharpens Iron radio listeners and their associates. For more details on how the SecureCom Group may be of service to you with the very latest in security innovations, call 718-353-3355. That's 718-353-3355. Or visit SecureComGroup.com. That's SecureComGroup.com. Com. This is Brian McLaughlin of the SecureCom Group, joining Chris Arnzen's family of advertisers to keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air.
1: When Iron Sharpens Iron Radio first launched in 2005, the publishers of the New American Standard Bible were among my very first sponsors, it gives me joy knowing that many scholars and pastors in the Iron and Iron Radio audience have been sticking with or switching to the NASB. I'm Pastor Nate Pickowitz of Harvest Bible Church in Gilmanton Ironworks, New Hampshire, and the NASB is my Bible of choice.
7: I'm Pastor Rich Jensen of Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Quorum, New York, and the NASB is my Bible of
9: choice.
2: I'm Pastor Sule Prince of Oakwood
9: Wesleyan Church in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor John Sampson of King's Church in Peoria,
7: Arizona, and the NASB is my Bible of choice.
1: I'm Pastor Chuck
2: Volo of New Life Community Church in Kingsville, Maryland, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Steve Herford of Eastport Baptist Church
13: in Jacksonville, Florida. And the NASB is my Bible of choice.
3: I'm Pastor Roy Owens, Jr. of the Church at Friendship in Hockley, Texas. And the NASB is my Bible of choice. Here's a great way for your church
1: to help keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Pastors, are your pew Bibles tattered and falling apart? Consider restocking your pews with the NASB. And tell the publishers you heard about them from Chris Arnzen on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Go to nasbible.com. That's nasbible.com to place your order.
3: I'm Dr. Joseph Piper, President Emeritus and Professor of Systematic and Applied Theology at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Every Christian who's serious about the Reformed faith and the Westminster Standards should have and use the eight-volume commentary on the theology and ethics of the Westminster Larger Catechism titled Authentic Christianity by Dr. Joseph Moorcraft. It is much more than an exposition of the Larger Catechism. It is a thoroughly researched work that utilizes biblical exegesis as well as historical and systematic theology. Dr. Moorcraft is pastor of Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, And I urge everyone looking for a biblically faithful church in that area to visit that fine congregation. For details on the eight-volume commentary, go to westminstercommentary.com, westminstercommentary.com. For details on Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, visit heritagepresbyterianchurch.com, heritagepresbyterianchurch.com. Please tell Dr. Moorcraft and the Saints at Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, that Dr. Joseph Piper of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary sent you. And folks, please don't
1: forget that this program is paid for in part by the law firm of Buttafuco and Associates. My dear friend Dan Buttafuco, attorney at law, has been supporting this show since its inception in 2005. In every major public event that I have been involved in arranging and hosting. Uh, if you are the victim of a serious personal injury or medical malpractice anywhere in the United States, call 1-800-NOW-HURT, 1-800-NOW-HURT, or go to the website 1-800-NOW-HURT.com. Always mention Iron Sharpen's Iron Radio. Also, I want to thank my dear friend Brian McLaughlin of the SecureCom Group, whose ads you've been hearing, and obviously that's another a business that goes hand-in-hand hand with our topic today. Uh, if you want to keep your home, your church, or your place of business secure as possible, go to securecomgroup.com, securecomgroup.com, ask for Brian McLaughlin, and mention Chris Arnson of Iron Sharp and Zion Radio. Last but not least, if you're a man in ministry leadership, you are invited to my next Iron Sharp and Zion Radio free pastor's luncheon which will be held Thursday, June 6th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Church of the Living Christ in Loysville, Pennsylvania. My guest speaker for the very first time will be Dr. Joel Beakey, founder and president of Puritan Reform Theological Seminary. It's absolutely free of charge, and every man attending will receive a heavy sack of free brand-new books personally selected by me and donated by Christian publishers all over the United States and United Kingdom. If you want to register for free, just send me an email to ChrisArnson at gmail.com mm-hmm. and put Pastor's Luncheon in the subject line. And now we're back with our discussion uh, with uh, Ron Aguiar and his book, Keep Your church, Keeping Your Church Safe, Security Essentials for Houses of Worship. And, Ron, um, I just mentioned one of my sponsors, the SecureCom Group, w- which yep. specializes in security systems. That seems like a sure. no-brainer that a right. church should make sure— that they have as up-to-date as possible, as as much as they could afford in that realm, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, large churches have different needs and resources. But small to medium churches, yeah, you got to have a security system. And most churches will keep their uh, offering. Now, a lot of the offering is online. I know that. But we still collect money for events, for worship or whatever. And the money is usually kept in a room with a safe in it. That room needs to be protected. At least have a security system for that room. Um, More and more churches are going to access control for their staff and uh, during the week, for instance. Uh, Even if you just have a small area where all the pastor and his staff and all the ministers are located, that's usually cordoned off and controlled by access control with a key fob or something. And a security company such as your friend here, that's the stuff they do well and do well in. Uh, There also is panic alarms that they could hook up. If you have a secretary or administrative assistant sitting at a desk when people walk into the building and um, she notices something really bad or something goes wrong and there's some criminal activity, she can hit that distress button and that distress button will bring the police. So yeah, your, your, your friend's company can do all of that. And I highly recommend I recommend that you get three companies, a local, a uh, couple of national. National doesn't always mean best. I mean, your friend, I'm sure, can do a great job at the local company. So have them come in. And after the third walkthrough with these people to get bids and what they think they can do, you'll be quite educated as to what system you, na- you need. And someone like your friend can help them wisely choose a system uh, designed for their building and people.
1: Great. And we have Albrecht in Avon Lake, Ohio. Avon Lake, I was raised in Amityville, Long Island, and we had an Avon Lake right near my <laughs> home, not far. But this is Avon yeah. Lake, Ohio. And Albrecht asks uh, Other than those things that are coming out of instinct that make someone in security or just a regular congregation member leery about a visitor, what are specific signs that you think that we should be looking out for as sure. far as an uh, intruder they're talking
2: about? Yeah. If you're having worship on Sunday and comes in and someone comes in, they're agitated, they're, they can't sit still, they bring a duffel bag in or some bag that's or box or something that doesn't shouldn't be there. Um, I had a call one day from an elder on my cell phone during service that a guy just between our between we <clears throat> ending our first service, there was a gentleman that had walked in. He was standing outside the worship center and he was visibly shaking. He was agitated. Uh, he was sweating. <clears throat> service let out before we could approach him. He went in with a big group of people, started the next service. He sat up front about two rows back and you could see he was visi- visibly agitated we couldn't get to him because people were sitting around him by that time so i had an off duty officer in plain clothes sit directly behind him as close as he could get to them and um but we you know at that point we you just don't know so we sat and watched him during the whole service and after service the women around him started talking to him and this is a guy who had come in to find jesus He just was so upset in his life. So, um, again, if we would have approached him, hopefully my guys would have approached him with a keen sense of not only he may be a security risk, but he may be somebody that's genuinely interested in the Lord. And we got to be careful about that. So you never approach him with a heavy hand and grab him and escort him out. You want to talk a couple of minutes, shake his right hand. Ninety percent of the people walking this earth are right handed. I would shake somebody's hand and not let it go because if he's got a gun, (laughs) because if he's right handed, that's where his gun's going to go. So I would shake his hand, not let him go. Keep my left hand on his elbow and just greet him and talk to him and say, can I help you? You know, welcome to the church. And in in about 30 seconds, you know, if he's a bad guy or not. But, um, yeah, you just got to be careful. You got you got to be observant. You got to be. And that's why we would hold. Training or just sitting down in little round table discussions with our ushers and volunteers every three months because it's a, uh, raised their awareness level and got them thinking about security again. Um, one of the things that I got to say before uh, we close here, and that is in our lifetime, in my lifetime anyway, uh, advances in technology have been tremendous. The cell phones, incredible. I mean, I've got one attached to my hip. But I I got to be careful when I say this, but if you're part of a security team and you're working security, put the phone away. You can't be distracted. I was at a church very recently where one of their security team guys was worshiping. He's supposed to be he was in a secure position, but he was singing and praising and crossing his legs. I remember my wife. Uh, I did this for about 20 years and I would sit right behind the pastor on the second row and we'd get in the car when I first started this. And she goes, so what did you think of the sermon? I said, I didn't hear the sermon. <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm paying attention to the people, watching people, running scenario. My brain is never shutting off about security. I can't be focused on what the preacher's talking about. I never pulled my cell phone out. I did a. I did a an assessment for a very large church. They called me. They no one knew me in the church except the person who called. And I went in with my wife, and we worshipped on Sunday. There were five uniform police officers guarding the san, the outside perimeter of entering the sanctuary. A large, large church. Chris, all five of them were on their cell phones. <laughs> I, I could have walked in with a bazooka. They would not have seen me. <laughs>
1: Well, obviously, this uh, requires a couple of things. Uh, Number one, if you can't rotate these men so some of them can actually be edified and be nurtured in the faith by paying attention to the service, but because it's their time off, but also the the recording of the sermons so so that these folks can listen later on when they're not on duty, as it were. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Most churches now are online anyway because of the pandemic, but uh, they continue to do that. So yeah, you go home and watch it. And and that's what you got to do. You you just, that's part of the deal. And uh, for almost 20 years, that's what I did. And so, um, you know, when I did protective detail for the speaker that I traveled with for 15 years, I I couldn't tell you what she talked about because I was concerned about her safety. And when I sat on that front row, Music was nice. Or, yeah. But I couldn't tell you what you talked about, because my whole concern was the safety and security of her and the people around her. So same applies in church. And if you're on the team and you're working, then you got to turn everything off and you got to pay attention to what you're doing. It's so important. And um, you just got to be in the habit of doing that because lives depend on you. You cannot uh, you cannot let your guard down.
1: And we have time for one more question uh, from a listener. Shane in Allentown, Pennsylvania, wants to know, would it be a good idea also to have people on the team that are skilled in the martial arts?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's always good. Non-lethal ability is great. I mean, I've got a little bit of a martial arts background, too. Uh, But what you're going to find is, that you're not going to use that unless it's a knockdown throwdown fight. And most of the time, most people are trained to stop it. If if I got involved in a fight as a police officer or anything of that nature, my job was I don't want to engage in a knockdown, drag out fight. My job is to end the fight in any way I can, whether it be a move that I've learned, but yeah, the martial arts will help you in that regard. And I've met a few guys that do this for churches and I think it's great because it teaches someone to end the disturbance immediately. Um, Also remember that, again, it's what's reasonable for that event. So you cannot over, you cannot overly react to something with extreme force when only a gentle nudge would have done it. So again, martial arts is great. It's always good to learn and be aware because it'll give you a better sense of what, the other guy may or may not be doing. But again, always learn that what's reasonable in the situation. So I, I think that needs to be uh, stated. Now, why did you use the word non-lethal? Uh, well, a gun is lethal. When I fire a bullet, it's intended to kill somebody. That's the nature of it. You don't, you don't shoot to wound anybody. That's, uh, that's just the way that they train you. I mean, you, you shoot for mass and you stop the threat. Uh, you don't shoot somebody's hand because you're going to miss. You're going to hit somebody else. So if a gun comes out, if I pull a gun out and I shoot something at someone, it's to stop them. So that's a lethal weapon that I use. Non-lethal is, is the tasers that they use, and some of them can be lethal, but uh, the tasers, the bean bags, the things of that nature, um, you know, stuff like that, pepper spray.
1: But you're, you're not saying that a person who knows the martial arts – has to be using some kind of non-lethal art.
2: No, I'm just saying that it's it's great to to know that because it helped me as a police officer right. how how to move and grab somebody and take them down so we stop the fight. Um, you know, I'm not a boxer. I'm not a very big guy. So right. the martial arts did in fact help me, and I think it would help. Um, I have a friend that teaches churches to do that, and he teaches the the team members to do that so they could end the, the fight if the guy's physically confrontational and he attacks you. Yeah. Boom. The martial arts will train you how to put him down, and that's what you do. Yeah, that's the way you use it. Well, Ron,
1: I already know that I want you to come back on the program. I loved every second of this. And for more information, folks, about Ron Aguiar and uh, his – A book, keeping your church safe, and also everything else that he does. And I'm assuming you do put on seminars for folks that request it. Yes, Uh, sir. uh, Go to oasisafety.com, oasisafety.com, and you could also get the book specifically at uscca.com, uscca.com. Thank you so much, uh, Ron. Uh, I want to thank everybody who listened, and I want you all to always remember for the rest of your lives, Jesus Christ is a far greater Savior than you are a sinner.